Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, I'm Sarah Bivens. And I'm Matthew Bivens. And this is the Doing It at Home podcast. The only podcast dedicated to empowering, loving, and honest conversations around home birth. What started as a fun way for us to document our own home birth journey has turned into a platform for sharing birth stories, resources, and education with the goal of empowering mamas and families to make the birth decisions that work best for them. Plus, we get into the antics, breakdowns, and breakthroughs of our own experience of marriage and parenthood. All right. You ready, babe? Yep. Let's do it, mama. Hello, hello there, and welcome back, everyone, to the Doing It at Home podcast. I am one of your hosts, Sarah Bivens. My other host is Matthew Bivens. You will hear his voice in a few short minutes here when we get into the interview. We just want to welcome you and thank you so much for being here and being a part of this space, being a part of this community, and supporting us by listening to the podcast. There's so many ways that you can support Doing It at Home as a community as a philosophy, as an experience, and listening to the podcast is one of the ways that you can do that. So thank you. To extend that support, if you are getting something out of the show, if you are receiving value from listening to these stories and what we're creating here for you, there are a number of ways you can support further and be engaged further, one of which is to subscribe if you are not already. So subscribe to the podcast, follow us on social media, visit our website, Check out our shop, which has a bunch of really cool stuff in it that's been added lately. I am sipping some tea out of my Have Babies Where You Make Them mug right now. If you would like your very own, you can check it out there in the store. The links to everything I've just listed from our social accounts to our website, which is diahpodcast.com, by the way. So you could go there and find all these links as well. But if you just look, if you just scan real quick, whatever you're listening with, whatever device, whatever platform, there should be a show description of this episode. And beneath that are links to all the things that I just mentioned. So the shop, you can get your own, have babies where you make a mug or tank or sweatshirt or tote bag. Yes, we have tote bags. We just added them recently and all sorts of other really great stuff. And That is how you can show your support and also wear some really cool stuff that's all about birth empowerment. And they're great conversation starters as well. Some of the things we have in there, we have one of our new graphics is meconium happens because it does y'all happened in our birth. So sometimes it happens. Yeah. So go check that out. And our private Facebook group as well. I didn't mention that. That's another great way to engage, to learn from others, to, you know, have a dialogue with us that isn't really possible through this podcasting platform. So 
doing it at home has many branches and the podcast is one of them. So if you did not know about all those other ways to connect and engage, go do so. And the book is dropping pretty soon as well. The doing it at home book. So yes, very excited for that. Today, we have an awesome conversation for you. We're chatting with mom and dad. We love when we get that bonus of being able to speak to partner as well. And we had a great time. We chatted with Brianna and Jerry. And there's a lot of cool synchronicities between us and our families. They're a podcasting couple as well. They have a podcast called Single to Sealed. And then they have their YouTube channel, which is really cool too. So I'll have links to that in the show notes for you. And we talk about that a little bit in our conversation. But we get to hear the differences between their first and second birth. The first one having some traumatic elements to it and really inspiring, making some changes for the second birth. And for Brianna, it was really about birthing on her terms in that second birth. And we talk about postpartum depression and how Brianna experienced some of that and what came up for her, how she moved through it. And then also shifting to the perspective of partner in in how Jerry experienced that and how he supported Brianna. And it's a really rich, raw, vulnerable, transparent conversation that I think is so important. This whole conversation has a lot of really great nuggets. And not only is it there, them sharing their experience, but there are great tips and takeaways for you throughout this. So have a notebook out or be ready to pause and re-listen to certain parts. And I will put another directive out there for you that if you are listening to this and you are a birthing person preparing for your birth or preparing for pregnancy to prepare for a birth, make sure you have your partner, if applicable, listen to this podcast with you. Definitely listen to this episode because we have dad and and partner's perspective, but in general, send them episodes, send them snippets of things that you think would be great for them to hear in preparation for the journey, for the experience. It's, I would say it's vital. So I'm just going to put that out there. That's just my, my homework for you there. In the conversation with Brianna and Jerry, we also talk about connecting with your midwife and what that looks like for us. For for many of us, it's very different. You know, what point is important for you when it comes to your care provider? So we chat about that. We talk about some of the classes that they took that were really helpful for them. And one of the great themes that comes out of this conversation for me is that when we change the way we approach childbirth, we change the world. And we talk about that. And then, of course, circling back again, Jerry and his role and how big it was. And he was the birth room bouncer, so to speak, for the home birth. And again, just some really great takeaways and tips for the birthing partner there. So some keywords for you, things to look out for if it's relevant to you or things that you are interested in learning about or might be in your own experience and you want to hear others and how they navigated We talk about birth trauma. We talk about postpartum depression. We talk about birthing classes. We talk about fetal ejection reflex. We talk about GBS, group strep B, and gestational diabetes, to just name a few of the many themes that come up in this conversation. Thank you to Brianna and Jerry. Y'all are awesome. We appreciate you. Quick word from our sponsor, and then let's hear their story. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, Brianna and Jerry, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having us. We're excited to be here. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're super pumped that you all chose to hang out with us today. You are blessing us and the whole community mm -hmm. with your presence and story. So thank you all for joining. Oh, thank you. We're, we're, we're happy to be here. Yeah. Tell, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. So my name is Brianna. My husband is Jerry. We've been married for almost four years. It'll be four years in May. And we have two children. We have two girls, a almost three-year-old and a six-and-a-half-month-old. And we live in Indianapolis. Nice. What And what are you up to in Indianapolis? What's a, what's a, a daily... Uh, life in the, uh, what am I saying? <laughs> day in the life, <laughs> day in the life for you all. What's that like? <laughs> uh, let's see, day in the life. Well, we moved, we moved here, uh, because of work actually. And, uh, I, I work at the hospital. And so I, maybe I'm gone for maybe four or five, four or five hours a day, which isn't that bad. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I come home and then, uh, Brianna works from home. So she gets the joy of, um, keeping the kids from screaming. <laughs> I mean, having fun all day. <laughs> and then I come home and uh, try to relieve some of that pressure and figure out what else we're going to do. We have a, we have a vlog. So sometimes we go out and it gives us a reason to go out and see the town. COVID has kind of put a damper on all of that though. So just been kind of sticking close to home right now. <laughs> I, I like how you just nonchalantly said, Oh yeah, we have a vlog. I mean, we were watching <laughs> yeah. it. Sarah and I watched it. Yeah, like, we were checking it out earlier. You guys are huge. And there's you have so many people who listen and comment. And what you guys do is totally legit. So w will you just take another 30 seconds to quickly tell us about this little tiny <laughs> vlog of yours? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd say it's still kind of small. But yeah, we, we have a, a vlog called Ready Scott's Go, where we just explore all the different cities we live in. So we have we take these books called like the 100 Things to Do in wherever city you're in before you die and we try to do a bunch of those activities and we've only done maybe a quarter of those before we move to a new place <laughs> yeah we've been kind of moving all over the place we my husband's from california from san diego and i was actually raised in the chicagoland area we met in utah when we were in our early 20s and we lived in utah and that's when we started the vlog and we started going to different places in salt lake and then we moved to new york for my husband's schooling we were in manhattan <laughs> and we tried to do it there but we only got a few things done before we moved again and then we moved to Indianapolis. So now we're here. Very cool. It's such a cool concept to take those books that we've all seen and yep. <laughs> live it. And to live it. Yeah. Like to actually go through it and do it and get to know your city. And 
you know, you, you, you guys are so much fun and watching you in the vlog is, is so cool. So we totally recommend Sarah and I recommend everyone listening. <laughs> Go check them yeah, out. Yeah, that's our uh, that's our daytime <laughs> daytime presence for for internet, and then <laughs> after everyone goes to bed at night, we record our podcast. <laughs> Very so, yeah. cool. Oh my gosh, there's a lot of synchronicity here. Yeah. There is, but yeah. we're not we're not nearly as cool as you guys. <laughs> uh, debatable. <laughs> <laughs> but what's the podcast? So our podcast is called Single to Sealed. It focuses on uh, Christian dating. So we help people be more uh, confident in their ability to date and find someone who's good for them. And that's actually really new. We just started it just a few weeks ago. So awesome. we're slowly building a following. We had a thousand listens last week, and that was really exciting for us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a great milestone. Absolutely. Yep. You celebrate that. Yeah, that's we were pretty beautiful. excited. <laughs> yeah, we high-fived. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Got to. got to celebrate those moments. I That's great. Well, and congrats to you guys on that. Well, real quick, I want to go back to the vlog for just one more second because Definitely. there is one video that's very popular. And I think you know the one I'm about to say, but yes. you made a, a hairstyle choice, Brianna, <laughs> and yes. Jerry assisted you in this. And I won't go into too much because I do want people to watch it, but you did something pretty drastic and and it has gotten a lot of attention. Yeah, I did. It has, I think, 30, almost 40,000 views, I think mm -hmm. now. I don't, I haven't looked yeah. at it recently, yeah. but it was up there pretty high. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone said it was um, postpartum, um, like craziness, but that's I've been funny. wanting to do it for years. So I just finally had the balls to just do it. <laughs> and that's what I did. <laughs> cool. Are you still rocking the do now? I am. Yeah. yeah. I thought that I would go back and, and start you know, growing it out again, but I haven't yet because I just really enjoy it. And it's so it's so easy when you have kids. Okay. The shorter the hair, the easier it is. So I haven't I haven't changed it up yet. It's crazy how many people are, are interested in watching that kind of stuff. Yeah. Online because like we have all these vlogs that we do, but like our greatest videos are Brianna's home birth <laughs> video and and her haircut. Like that's too funny. <laughs> like yeah. by miles. Yeah. That's but yeah, because like you know your vlog is about going out and exploring the city. But the ones mm -hmm. that take place at home mm -hmm. get the most views. It's, so, it's like you never know. Yep. Yeah. You never know what people are going to be gravitate towards. Yep. <laughs> well, are... home, yeah. Um, home birth, I'm sure, is not on those travel book guides of things to do in certain cities. But you could <laughs> write your own on that and add that whatever city you've had your, your births in. Like, hey, this is a great place to have a home birth. <laughs> <laughs> nice exactly. Yeah. Well, I love Thank my you. midwives out here. So oh, okay. I definitely recommend them to everyone I can because they were incredible. So it's a great place to birth here in Indiana. What's the, the name of your midwifery? We can give them a shout out. Uh, they're the Wabash Valley Midwives. Wabash Valley. And we'll put a link in show notes to that. Sounds good. Yeah, they're incredible. And that is a great point that you bring up, Brianna, that or I'm, I'm taking from what you said and making the point that, you know, birthing communities are different throughout the country in terms of access to resources, the quality of care, et cetera. So, um, you know, kind of joking, but not really a guide on where the best places to have certain kinds of births. Uh, we might be onto something. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. It makes a difference where you are. Yeah, and I found them through a birthing, a home birth. Um, it's called Home Birth Indy, which is because we're in Indianapolis. So I would highly recommend if you're going to be birthing at home that you join a home birth group that's kind of in your area and you ask yep. people for, you know, references for good midwife groups out there that you can connect with. So that's how I found them. That's, that's awesome. one of our biggest recommendations for people who don't really know where to turn. You can go to yep. Facebook and type in your city and midwife or home birth group and there's probably going to be something yeah and yeah it's a great 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 place so 
Awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah. How and why did home birth come up for you all? And at, at what point? Is it something you had known about previously and maybe thought about? Or was it a new concept later on in your journey? So when we were preparing for the first, our first daughter um, and her birth, I originally was scheduled to go with a hospital birth. And the closer I got to you know, preparing for that birth. I was doing more and more research and watching more and more birth videos. And then we joined a birthing class and I just realized that I didn't want to have a medicated birth. Nothing wrong with that for people who want that, but it just wasn't something that I wanted. And so I started doing research on midwife groups and I found a birthing center and I was a little bit scared to take that leap and do a home birth because I was a first time mom, but I thought it was a pretty happy medium. So I, my husband was on board and, you know, I, I decided to go with this midwifery group and that kind of opened the door for home birth for me. But my experiences in that first birth were, were what pushed it even wider because I didn't have a great first birth. I felt very pressured by the midwives that I decided to go with, which is what I tell people all the time now is like, really know your midwives and really lay down the law with them of what you do and do not want because I ended up getting coached through my pushing. Like as soon as I hit 10 centimeters, like they were like, it's time to push. And which was something that I didn't really want. And just a few other in interventions that didn't help me. And so I ended up having a bad experience with that first one. So when I came time for the second birth, I told Jerry, I was like, I know I can do it. I know I can have the birth that I want, but I just, it needs to be on my terms. And so that's why I ended up going with a home birth is because I wanted everything just on my terms and to be in my own safe space and to be making all the decisions for my body and my baby. That's really powerful. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate you sharing that. And, you know, the one thing that comes up for me and I'm thinking about the listener who is maybe exploring the idea of home birth or is maybe, you know, early on in that journey and they're looking at, you know, hospital, birthing center, home birth, mm -hmm. and, you know, the whole range that... You know, even within midwifery care, there are things to do your due diligence on and, and have yes. those conversations. And like you said, really know your midwife because you might make an assumption that just because you're going into a birthing center and working with midwives, you, you just might make certain assumptions on what that means or what that might look like. And yet, you know, having those conversations and, and learning about, you know, the self-advocacy and just all of that, you know, the, it, it's still relevant and still important. So I appreciate that you bring that to the table here, you know, for someone who's thinking, well, I'm just going to go with a midwife and that just means like done. I don't have to do any further, you know, uh, research. I don't have to have any further conversations. They're going to be this kind of midwife, like where exactly. In, in fact, there's, you know, there's probably a spectrum of the type of care within midwifery. Oh, a hundred percent. No two midwives are created equally. 100%. And I think a lot of it has to do, though, with self-advocacy. Like you said, you need to be strong enough to say, um, this is what I did with, with my second birth when I met with them for the first time, because I interviewed multiple midwives in preparation for my second birth. I told them in the, the interview, I said, I don't want you to lay a single hand on me. <laughs> mm. I was like, I had a bad experience with my first birth. And I just want you guys to be completely hands off unless there's an absolute medical emergency and we're in jeopardy. But I said, I want my body to do its own thing. And yeah, I, and they agreed with that and they were fully supportive of that. And that was 
one of the reasons why I decided to go with them. Mm-hmm. And also it's a vibe. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds kind of weird, but it's totally a vibe when you're mm-hmm. interviewing people because there was multiple midwives I interviewed that I just didn't feel that connection with. And so you have to feel them out for sure. What was Absolutely. it for you that created connection? Honestly, it sounds super cheesy, but like I, we believe in like spiritual stuff, right? It's just like a spiritual connection all, almost like you just feel understood. And just when I was talking to them and explaining my bad first experience to them, like they're just very understanding and like they just had such a calming presence. And it was funny because we were doing it over Zoom because of COVID. But even through the Zoom call, I just felt like they really got what I was trying to say. And that totally carried across the entire birth experience with them. They were always that calm, like good presence. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think, mm-hmm. I think one thing that's significant is uh, making sure that the group that you choose has a sufficient number of midwives, like or teams slash like coverage, that they can take care of you, depending on no, no matter when like your birth is going to happen. You now, so that's kind of an unfair roadblock we maybe fell into with our first birth is that you know, the, the midwives were really, really great all the way up until this moment. Mm-hmm. And it's because both of the other midwives she was with were out of town and no, they're at other births or out of the births. Mm-hmm. And it was another birth that just started like as we're four hours into ours. And so now ours is like kind of rushing our experience. Oh, interesting to get to the other one and vocalize that to us. Like, you know, there's another person going into birth, so we got to wrap this up kind of thing. And that that was kind of, you know, off kilter. Well, I don't know, like, how much you guys want to air, but, like, they honestly were v- very pressured. Like, I got multiple cervical checks in my first. And uh, as soon as I hit 10 centimeters, she's like, okay, it's time to push. Let me teach you how to push. And was, like, having me do different positions and telling me to when to push. And I just don't think my body was ready. And so... Um, you know, watching it back is actually really painful for me because I can see that just I wasn't ready, especially after experiencing my second birth. So I ended up pushing for close to an hour. And the only reason that my daughter was actually born within that 55 minute window was because they threatened me with an episiotomy, mm. which my midwife knew I was like so afraid to get because I told her that the only thing I didn't want was an episiotomy. You know, I, that was I was afraid of that. And so she as I was pushing, she goes, oh, someone gave me the, the episiotomy scissors. And as soon as she said that, I pushed my baby out because yeah. wow. I was scared of getting that. And I yeah. And you can watch the video and I'm like, no, please. And then I pushed her out. And just like looking back, like that was just a horrible traumatic event. Of course, the birth of my daughter was amazing, you know, and I love it for that reason. But going into my second birth, I was like, that is not happening again. Yeah, I'm going to be in the position of power. I'm going to make all the decisions. And I, I felt kind of gypped of that experience that I wanted so badly that I wanted to be sure that it never happened again. Yeah. Oh, and there's so many that uh, unfortunately can identify with you on that, that are listening Mm -hmm. now that have felt that or know someone who has, and, and your, your story is so important. It's so valuable. It's so worthy of this attention and this sharing and this collective healing that I feel like can take place when you do share this, because some of the points that you bring up in just the past few minutes are so very rich. Going back to what it means for you to connect with a care provider, you know, for you, there was something, it was just spiritual alignment and this, mm-hmm. yes, like this, the vibes. And that's going to be the case for someone else. Or it could be 
you know, understanding their their breadth of knowledge, their history, the number of, yes. of clients they've worked with. Uh, maybe it's connecting with their other clients to get that firsthand experience. And then Jerry, the point you bring up of getting getting a feel for and an understanding of the bandwidth of your care providers as well and, and how they are planning their schedule and how many people they're taking on and how many people they have access to to share as resources with you if they are not available. These are all such great things to to go through. Um, and so for, for you to have your unique experience and be able to extract those really helpful points for others and now to be able to share it and still recognize that there were traumatic elements for, for you in the experience. It's just all, it's also raw and vulnerable and beautiful. And I just wanted to take that moment to acknowledge. And I feel particularly for our births, it can be such a, uh, a, a soul grappling thing when there's birth, right? And we recognize it as being this beautiful thing. And yet when there are parts of it that go the way that they go, that can just feel so splitting. I feel like as a human human being and energetically when, you know, birth is what it is. And yet many of us walk away with traumatic elements to it. Oh, definitely. And I think I think it definitely had a part to play in my recovery after my first birth because I struggled with postpartum depression really badly um, afterwards. And my recovery was hard because I had a second degree, degree tear. And so, of course, that affects you when you're having this major healing, also taking care of a newborn, also going back to work within you know a month and a half and all this stuff going on. Like I had really bad postpartum depression to the point where I like was having suicidal thoughts and... You know, I definitely think that the way you birth affects your recovery, not always, but for me, it was a huge part of my recovery. Yeah. I'm curious, Jerry, how was it for you being a part of that experience as well? And then also being witness to Brianna and her partner and her support, you know, just, just what that was like for you. Um, I think the first time, I think the first time I was so caught up in the moment that a lot of like the trainings and practices that I had in my mind for how to be a good, you know, daddy doula. Um, and I'm constantly looking at my notes instead of looking at the situation, <laughs> you know, type of thing. And you know, as we're approaching towards the end, you know, I can, of this first birth, I'm noticing, you know, these things happen and I'm just at this point trying my best to keep people in the room calm and keep, keep Brianna calm <laughs> to the best of my ability. But Above all that, I think that we saw all the elements that were great and we saw the ones that weren't so great. And so, like, the word perfect doesn't describe the second birth that we had. Like, it's not good enough. <laughs> I feel mm -hmm. like it was so good. <laughs> like, it was just better than perfect. Like, just from the people that were there, from our experience, the way we handled it, like, not a single thing, like, went wrong. And, like, the way that Brianna was able to uh, manage herself and knew how she wanted to manage herself this time versus last time and the involvement I knew she wanted, you know, because of my experience last time, like all, all of these things just, they ended up being a trial for good mm. so that now we have this standard of, you know, this is, this is really what we feel like home birth could be like. And this is the type of experience that we would want to shout out, like that we would want other people to have because it was like a dream. And I just want to give like kudos to Jerry because he's been always sticking by me through all of it, all of everything I wanted. And when it came to preparing for this birth, the, the second birth, even after the traumatic 
ness surrounding the first. He was like truly the only supportive person I had in my corner that thought it was a good idea for me to do a home birth for this this baby. Because even my mom, she was there for the first birth. And because we had a hospital transfer and everything afterwards, like she was just saying, you know, there's no point in you having a home birth because you'll probably have to go to the hospital again afterwards. Or, you know, you know how last time went and kind of lots of negative talk from her and my good friends and my sister. And Jerry was the only one who I kept on looking to re- for reassurance looking to him for reassurance. And I would say, do you think I can do it? Do you really think I can? And he'd always say, yes, I know you can do it. I believe in you. Whatever you want to do, I fully support you. And he was, he was the most supportive partner through the entire experience. That's powerful. Way to go, That's awesome. Jerry. And, thank you. <laughs> so how, how would you guys describe um, that your relationship changed after the first birth, postpartum depression, and before you started flowing into baby number two how did your relationship shift um it was hard i know i definitely think it's hard i think mm-hmm. uh, just postpartum obviously depression is its own topic but you know, having brianna have all these feelings and not really know what feelings are real versus the depression and how to involve me you know she didn't even know if she wanted me to be around Mm-hmm. But she also did want me to be around at the same time. Like it's, it's really hard as a, as a partner, to try to gauge how you're best going to take care of, you know, the your, your partner who had the who had the baby, and uh, that's what that's what we really struggled with. But it was just trying my best to constantly reassure her, like despite all things, like I love you, like whatever whatever you want me to do, just tell me. And unfortunately, it wasn't that easy. I was rarely told. <laughs> what she actually wanted me to do and so it really it really was up to me to just kind of feel it out and seek to make the right choice of what I knew about her so it helped me grow from a superficial you know vocal communicative level to a deeper level of how well do I understand my wife that I was able to solve some of her concerns without her mentioning anything and I think that's good a good experience for someone to have oh Powerful. That's like pause, rewind, and re-listen for any <laughs> birthing person right now and to then share that with their partner. That's just what I'll say to that. Just re-listen to that a few times because I think there's a lot of power in those words. And I think as as the birthing person, there comes a point where you have to accept help, you know? Yeah. And if you don't, then you're not going to progress or go anywhere. It's just going to get worse. And that came, that came for me a couple weeks after I had her when things were getting really bad. And I didn't really tell Jerry how bad it was getting, but I remember like the moment vividly when I did, I was sitting on the couch and I pulled him over and I was, I just started crying. And I was like, babe, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I, I literally have thoughts of just like wanting to walk out the front door and in front of oncoming traffic. Cause that's how sad, like, and how horrible I felt. And I remember telling him that and his face was just like white he like didn't even know how to react because he didn't know that I was feeling like that. And he probably would never have known if I wouldn't have communicated that fully to him. And when I did, that's when I was able to start reaching out to my mom and my friends and people to come over and help relieve me of some of my duties as a mom. Uh, my mom would come over almost every night of the week, even though she was working full time and she would stay up with the baby so that I could get a full night's rest. And when you're in postpartum depression, like sleep is everything. (laughs) Mm -hmm. When you have good sleep, it feels like you can conquer it so much better. And so things like that were major turning points for me in in overcoming that. Wow. What courage it took for you to 
share with Jerry and, and then to ultimately ask for help. That's beautiful. Oh, thank you. Um, one, one point that I just want to go back to for a second in case someone was wondering about the postpartum transfer and that was related to your tear. Was that, is that correct? Yes. Okay. And I think it was ultimately related to the fact that the midwife didn't want to take the time to stitch me up gotcha. because she had another birth. I don't think it was actually, I had a second degree tear, which midwives are generally very equipped to handle that. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, she took one look and she's like, yeah, I can't do that. We're going to have to do a hospital transfer. Okay. And so I transferred over there and I had to stay overnight. Luckily they didn't admit my daughter, so they didn't have to put any of the, the eye ointment in her or anything like that. They usually have to do in the hospital. Um, and so I got to keep her with me all night. She didn't have to go to the nursery. But it was still traumatic to have to be brought in an ambulance and then taken and stitched up there. And yeah. For sure. Then, of course, you don't get great sleep in the hospital because they come in every hour or so yeah. to check on you. And home birth is way better. <laughs> <laughs> and everything seemed to go really well. It was just right at that end when she was threatened that, you know, she just pushed with everything she had. And it just, you know, your body doesn't really work that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, cause problems. Well, one thing that I I want to go back to what you said earlier, Brianna, about advocating for yourself. We haven't heard very many accounts or a lot of advice around advocating with your midwife. A lot of times mm-hmm. we yeah. hear, you know, I went through this experience at the hospital with the doctors and nurses, and that taught me to advocate for myself, and so I chose home birth. And what I what I think is a, a powerful takeaway for listeners is that. Advocating for yourself is something that happens, that can happen with whomever your care provider is. It can happen with your partner where you're clear about something that you want for you and your partner might be steering in a different direction. So just that takeaway of the the, the power and strength and being able to advocate for yourself and going through whatever an individual must go to to get to the point where they do feel confident speaking up for themselves and, and speaking their truth. I think that's a, a great takeaway because it it might be with your midwife, it might be with your you know a family member, it might be with whomever, and your you know your sharing around that is is something that I want people to take away. Mm-hmm. So thank you again. Oh, thank you. I think it's important to note that we fight so hard for women's rights and like body autonomy and all of that so hard, but then when it comes to birthing, everybody's like, nope, you know, let the doctor do whatever they want with you. <laughs> and yeah. I just think it's kind of ridiculous because. As a woman, as the birthing mother, you have a power that no one else has because it's happening to you. And it's not just happening to you. You know, your body is not just doing whatever it wants. It's happening with you. You and the baby are working together. And above anyone else's voices in that room, yours is the most important and is like 99.9999% of every voice that needs to be heard in that room. So (laughs) you have the power to say no to anything you want to. I think that's something I didn't realize with the first birth. And I found my power in that experience that, that I, I can do whatever I want. This is, this is my experience. I think a lot of that like power comes from research that comes from knowledge. Like we don't just think, you know, birth is, birth is natural. So I'm just going to show up and it's going to be done. I think the understanding of your body and its muscles and what it does and chemicals and all these, all this process is really key into having good birth and the birthing class that Brianna signed us up for, you know, really solidified this, you know, back where, back in the, before the first birth. And we actually took the class again, you know, for a refresher before we are second birth. And, you know, as a, as a consequence of that experience, you know, we, 
we loved it so much. We've told several people. We've had like six or seven other friends and peers who have taken it and have had home birth as a result of that and all have like, you know, praised it like crazy. And I, I just think like it, it sounds so insane. And we're, we're definitely in a world of culture and people are there, there's like a majority rule. And if you don't fall in that majority, then like you're crazy. Mm. And so and so if if we can fully convince someone to say, hey, this is why this is important. Like, I swear, like, just break out of break the chain, like break, break out of what the world and everybody wants you to see and just like see clearly like what this could do for you. Like they take this class and their minds are, are changed. They're just like, this is, I didn't know birth could be like this. I didn't know people could feel this way. I just watch movies and I assume that it's going to be a terrible, excruciating, <laughs> excruciating experience yeah. that ends up being different. I tell people all the time, I was like, Brianna had birth twice and didn't make a single shriek twice. Like watching that happen, I still don't get it. <laughs> I'm just like, how, <laughs> like, how, how do you, how do you just have a birth and make it look easy? Like everyone who was there was like, how did you make that look easy? And that's just like, obviously not, but you know, it took a lot of work and, and, and strength from her, but it's, I don't want to undercut it by saying it's easy, but that's how it looked like mm -hmm. <laughs> it looked yeah. easy. And that's just nothing that I'd ever heard anybody say. Uh, I totally get that. And, you know, and, and you all sharing your story here on, on this platform, as well as sharing that you do on your YouTube channel. I think that it does a tremendous amount to help people to see birth in a different way. And to think about birth in a different way and then to put themselves in, you know, a, a different reality when it comes to a birth that they might be stepping into. Mm. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's talk about the second birth. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, so walk us through... Your home birth okay so <clears throat> sorry excuse me so with my second birth I had like I said decided that I wanted it to be different and so when I became pregnant uh, we were really excited of course and I was thrilled because I felt like I got a do-over of my first birth and so right off the bat I didn't know if I wanted a home birth so I actually was seeing an OBGYN who she was fantastic by the way and if I would have had to birth with her that would have been okay but especially when COVID hit, that gave me the little nudge that was like, you need to birth at home. And that kind of gave me the confidence because I knew I didn't want to, you know, jeopardize my, ba my baby or my health. And I wanted to have my partner there. And, you know, that was kind of iffy during those early COVID times of being able to have a partner in the room. And that gave me the nudge that I needed to be brave enough to seek out a home birth midwife. And the reason that we, we were starting with an OBGYN was because we weren't finding any 
birthing centers or suites that we felt comfortable attending in our area. And that were and affordable. So we yeah, mm-hmm. so we weren't going to settle yeah. for that just just because we've done it before. Yeah. Like we, we said, we, we did some research and found that, you know, you can have similar experiences with really good doctors that, are, that can be hands-off in a hospital too. Love that. And so that's, that's kind of why we ended up going back towards the hospital route. Yeah, and the one birthing suite we found that was close enough to our house that I felt comfortable was like almost $10,000. And of course, it's not covered by insurance and we're just, you know, we're young, fresh out of college students, so we don't have a ton of money. And so that was kind of a major deciding factor is what our insurance could cover. But when I finally took that step forward and decided to do home birth, home birth is a lot more affordable. I think ours was like 3700 or something. And I found these midwives. I interviewed a couple others before this one or th- this group. And like I talked about, it just I just felt that connection. And so I, I started seeing them right about, I think I was like 23 weeks pregnant by that point. And we did a lot of Zoom calls. And sometimes they would come to my home and, and visit me because their office was actually an hour and a half from my house. <laughs> and so they were extending their boundaries just for me to, to visit with me, which was really great too. Midwives are awesome, you guys. <laughs> they really take care of you. They, they're so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and so... Um, Early in a, a few weeks after I started seeing them, I found out I had gestational diabetes. So I had to go on a full keto diet to help control that. No carbs, which is a big bummer when you're pregnant. <laughs> but yeah, it helped keep the weight off though. I, I was really, really skinny. <laughs> but um yeah, it was it it was fine though. We we managed and then about a week and a half before I went into labor, I took my GBS test and I found out I was positive for that. And that kind of threw a wrench in things because I was really nervous. Because, uh, of course, you'll go on and read all the horror stories. But in all reality, it's like way less than 1% actually contract it. And so after discussing with my midwife, I made the decision that I didn't want to have IVs because I wanted I didn't want to mess with my baby's microbiome. And Jerry was on board and fully supportive, like he always is. He's fantastic. And um, so we just talked about it and we decided if I was in labor with my waters broken for a long period of time, then I would get the IV. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just kind of waited out and see. And let's see, I was in prodomal labor for like two days before I went into actual labor, which is really sucky <laughs> when you're very pregnant. You're just like, I just want it to happen already. Uh, but I definitely think it was doing a lot for me. I mean, a lot of work, just getting my body ready, looking back. Um, And then I went into labor. Let's see, it was July 1st. And I would have been having contractions kind of all of the night before that. And so we set up our birthing tub because we had nothing set up, (laughs) of course, the night before. So we blew it up and we're like, just in case I go into labor tonight, then we'll be ready. And so I didn't go into labor that night. I just had contractions on and off. The next day, around 10 a.m., they started to get more intense. And so I told Jerry, let's go on a walk. Let's go kind of get some movement in. So we went on a walk, came back. And because I hadn't had ice cream my whole pregnancy and I was in labor, I was like, it's time. We're going to go get some ice cream. <laughs> so we went and got ice cream while I was in, in labor and then came back and ran some errands. Because you know when you're you're in labor, you kind of get in that major nesting mode where you just want to be doing something. So we ran some errands. And then when I came back, I decided I wanted to take a nap because for especially first time moms, they say one of the main reasons for transfer to a hospital is exhaustion. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just because you're, you get so excited that you just do too much and you stay up and you don't sleep. So I came back and I took about an hour and a half, two hour nap. And I made sure I propped my legs up 
I don't know if you guys know, the listeners know what a peanut ball is, but especially in the hospital, they use that a lot to help laboring mothers when they have epidurals, but they put it between your legs and like prop your leg up a certain way. You can look it up online, but I used pillows to prop my leg up really high while I slept so that my contractions could do more work for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think it really helped because by the time I woke up, um, I was in pretty good full-blown labor. It felt like, like the contractions were getting stronger. And with this birth more than the last birth, I really told myself with every, every contraction, I called them expansion waves, but I told myself open and I told myself that it, it was like a pleasurable feeling and sorry, excuse me. And I just tried to remind myself that the main feeling I was feeling was just my body opening. I think the word contractions does women a disservice because you think their whole body is just squeezing. But in reality, it's the muscles pulling your cervix open. And I just tried to keep that in my mind. And I brought in my hypnobirthing methods that I had studied for so long, which um, I loved one of our meditation tracks, which was a birth affirmation track. And I listened to that on repeat throughout my entire labor. And it, would, it was just like 16 minutes of just telling you over and over again things like, you know, I baby my body, know what they're doing. Um, I'm relaxed and at peace, things like that. And yeah, I kept on laboring at home. My husband just kind of hung out and got, got the house ready. And around 8.45, I felt like things were getting more intense. And since I knew it would take the midwives two hours to get there, I told my husband he should call them. <laughs> and I actually told him he should call them because I said, if I talk to them on the phone, they're not going to think I'm far enough along mm-hmm. because I was still really chill. I could talk through contractions, but women know, like, you know, when, when you're close and I felt really close. Like I felt like I was in, 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 in labor mm-hmm. and in active labor. And so he called them and they headed over and they got here around, what was it, babe? Like nine forty-five. Yeah. They almost missed it. Yeah. <laughs> And when they got there, I think Jerry told me afterwards that they said, oh, we're going to be here for a while because they took one look at me and they're like, yeah, she's not that far along because I was watching the office and just kind of hanging out, chatting. We were laughing and then I'd get a contraction. I'd work through it and then we'd go back to that. Mm. Yeah, we've made that our birthing tradition is when when Brianna's in labor, we turn on the office and watch TV. <laughs> That's great. I love the office. So... I mean, you're in great company right now. Yes, you are. Yeah. <laughs> so the best medicine is laughing when you're when you're in labor. It helps keep your mind off it. Um, but yeah, so they got there and I had zero cervical checks. They didn't even ask me if I wanted one because I had already told them and kind of laid down the law. Like I said, I I. I my final appointment, I told them, I was like, I just don't want you guys to touch me at all. I want zero cervical checks. I just want you guys to just hang out and just be there. And so that's what they did. They came in, they sat on the bed and let me do my thing. Um, I worked out on the, my birthing ball. I just did, you know, circles on it. And um, yeah, you just got to find the position that works for you. But when things started to get more intense, I told them, I was like, I'm ready to get in the birthing tub. So they set it all up and I hopped in. And yeah, my water still hadn't broken. Um, things were going good. But then I felt a change. I started to get really nauseous, which I recognized from my first birth as transition. 
and I didn't tell anyone this, but when you're transitioning, you start to have super negative thoughts. <laughs> and I started to have that thought come through, like, I can't do this. I can't do this again. It's going to go bad. I'm going to end up in the hospital, get stitched again. Like, mm-hmm. I can't do this, you know, over and over. I can't do this. I can't do this. And I recognized that switch because I hadn't been having those negative thoughts the entire labor. And I told myself, I was like, you're in transition. You're going to be okay. Just keep breathing. And I worked through it. It lasted about five or so minutes. And then I, I threw up, which is never fun. Um, and after that, I just felt my body start pushing her down. And with my first birth, I had been coached, pushed, you know, I had been being coached for pushing and I hadn't really noticed what was happening with my body. When someone else is coaching you through it, you don't take that time to be aware of what's going on. But with this one, I really wanted to feel everything and pay attention. And it was the craziest feeling to feel her move down like the birthing canal. And I could feel her getting lower and lower. And since I was the only one that, you know, had to put my fingers inside me or anything to feel where she was, it just felt so personal. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember feeling her get really close down there and FER kicked in so strong. (laughs) And so if you don't know what FER, it's the fetal ejection reflex. And yeah, I just, my body just completely took over. And I remember telling my midwife, I was like, I think I can push now. And she's like, okay, give it a little nudge. And if your body takes over, then just let it do its thing. So I did that. I gave the tiniest push. And as soon as I did that, it was like, I opened the door for, for my body to do whatever it wanted. And so I actually ended up having to pant through those final contractions because I wanted to give my body time to stretch. Um, cause I, my biggest goal was to not tear at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I was like doing the horse lips, things that tell you to do and panting through those final contractions and feeling the water cool. break. Sorry, go ahead. What does it mean to pant through? Basically, you don't you don't let your body push. You kind of fight that natural urge to push a little bit. Ah, okay. And instead of instead of letting your body push, you just kind of like literally pant. You're like <sighs> and it helps you to do something besides let your body push. And that way I would give I would let myself push just a little bit so I'd give in a little bit to the contraction and then I would stop it and then I'd l- let myself stretch. And you can feel just like our, our birthing um, class also told us about this when you're when you're stretching down there instead of, to try to avoid the ring of fire. You can imagine like if you're pulling your own lips like around your mouth with your fingers, you'll feel when you get too far. Right. You'll feel that stretch on your mouth yeah. um, that if you pull further, it's going to hurt really bad. So when you're pushing, you can feel the same thing down there. And so to help avoid pushing, when you start to feel that tightness, that it feels too tight, that's when you pant so that your body can um can make sure that you don't tear. Basically, it'll stretch a little bit more and blood flow can get down there. So that's what I did. So my final contractions, it was my second to last contraction when my water finally broke. And it was the weirdest feeling. It feels like a rubber band just like snapping inside you. (laughs) And I didn't expect it, but it was really cool. And once that happened, she was out in in two small pushes. And it was just, it was, it was amazing. Mm -hmm. I've never, I've never thought that birth could be that incredible. And I'm almost crying thinking about it because it was just the most amazing experience of my life. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, yeah, it was just pulling her up out of the water and looking at her. It just felt so healing, like the whole, the whole time. And she was born at 1130 and the midwives got there right around 945. So they're about an hour and a half before she got there. And yeah, they, 
as soon as I pulled her up, they said, do you mind if we check to see if the cord is around her neck right before she came up? And I said, yes, that was the only intervention I had. Mm -hmm. If you want to call that an intervention. And they asked before they did it, but she had no cord and she was very alert. She cried as soon as we pulled her up, (laughs) which was funny because with my first, she didn't cry at all, but she was screaming and yeah, just, it was the most perfect moment. Mm. Wow. I think my favorite memory that I've had from from this last birth was right at the last like 15 minutes before the baby was born. And I'm in the kitchen like wiping myself off because I'm so tired of <laughs> I'm so tired from the uh, what is it counter pressure pressures and I'm just I have a an assistant that's kind of helping me. I come back in and when I walk in the room, Brianna has the biggest smile on her face like the biggest smile I'm like what are you smiling about and she just like looks at me and she like didn't say anything I was like you know why I'm smiling like this is the best thing ever. And I was like <laughs> my goodness like she's in here smiling and she's like I'm about to have the baby and she's literally laughing and talking to the baby all sweet and it was it was incredible that's wow. beautiful wow Jerry I'm I'm interested in the first birth you had your list of notes and you're referring back to your notes and everything how did you prepare and how did you feel in terms of your preparation going into the second birth? Uh, this time, I I feel like I already knew a lot more of the material. And I feel like, especially since we reviewed it, um, even even in taking the class, I feel like I didn't really pay attention this time as much as I could have. <laughs> <laughs> I got mad at him about that a few times. <laughs> I was like, I already know what she's going to say. Like, I know this. And, uh, you know, a lot of the science and physiology stuff, like, you know, I'm already good at that. And so I was like, okay, well, I feel like this time it was different because I decided I was just going to do like what I felt was right. And Brianna gave me like one or two things that she's like, this is the only thing like I absolutely like have to have you do mm-hmm. and everything else. She's like, I just trust you. Mm. And so nah, I just, I just didn't have something in front of me this time to say, okay, this is, this is the time to start doing this or do, or do this or do this. Like we just, we just let it go, let it flow with what felt, what felt with what felt right and I feel like the stuff that I had learned and and practiced just came at the right time so I'm something's coming up for me and it's one just watching Matthew's face as you were describing the last few minutes Brianna especially around (laughs) the stretching like I saw Matthew's eyes and his face do a thing but what it was (laughs) communicating to me was that the the reverence and the honoring of women. I don't, I don't know. You can tell me if I'm off here, babe, but that's what I would, I could just imagine your inner monologue being like, wow, women are amazing. Birthing humans are amazing. Like that's all I was getting from that look. And, (laughs) and then hearing Jerry share, you know, some of his perspective and how he witnessed and, and experienced it. It is so important for husbands, fathers, partners, birth team members, however, you know, however they are classified to hear birth stories, especially before going into a birth. So for you, listener, I'm giving homework now. If you have not shared any of these stories, if you have not shared this story, if you've not shared the podcast with your partner, you need to, and they need to hear this because 
not, I mean, of course, the experiential thing, it is what it is. You know, you, you, you can't go through that until you go through it. But just to hear some of these things, like what the body is capable of doing, the pushing process or the allowing the body to push process, just all of that. You know, we had very close friends have a birth recently. It was their first. And I remember having conversations with our friend, um, dad, telling him about my birth so that he yeah. could have some frames of, of reference here. Because if we as women feel like we're not well-educated and supported in going into a birth, can you even imagine how <laughs> empowered the average man feels going into a birth experience? Yeah. So I just think listening to birth stories in person, ideally, but that's why we have this show you know, for, for the dads, for the birth partners, I just think it's an essential part of, of gearing up to that experience. Um, yeah, so that's just what came up for me. So I don't know, maybe you, Matthew, you and Jerry can head something up and <laughs> have, a, have a thing for for partners to just hear these stories and to 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 just connect with that that reverence and that that honoring of of the experience of the process and to also normalize some of it. You know, reduce the fears, reduce the unknown, and just embrace it. So that's what came up for me and in, in y'all's sharing and then watching Matthew's response. Cause I imagine it would be a very similar response to other men listening and, Oh, just the oxytocin going on right now from <laughs> those great. last few moments. And, and, you know, the healing you brought up healing Brianna and, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned this birth kind of being your, another chance, another, another go to, to just be, be that advocate for yourself. You know, you said one of those, those big overarching influencers and inspiration was to birth on your own terms. Do you feel like you birthed on your own terms? Oh, a hundred percent. And I would do it a hundred times over. There was, there's literally, you know, sometimes you look back at events like birth and you think of little things you could change. There is nothing I would change about my birthing experience. It was so incredible. And I remember finishing it in Jerry. I think it's in our vlog. You can see it in the birthing vlog afterwards. He asked me how the experience was. And I was just so in shock. I was, I just told him it was the most amazing thing I've ever experienced. It was life-changing. And one thing I love is the birthing class we took in the class, she says, if we want to change the world, we have to change the way the world looks at childbirth and the way children are brought into this world. And I a hundred percent agree. Birth is so powerful when it's, you know, it's done the correct way on a woman's terms because it empowers not only the woman, but it empowers the father getting to witness his woman bring a child in the, into the world mm-hmm. that way. And it's something so special and peaceful and beautiful for the child who gets brought into the world gently and to parents that understand the real power that we have in ourselves. And honestly, looking at looking at my birth afterwards, I told Jerry that I was so proud because I had an unassisted birth, unassisted birth without having an unassisted birth. Oh, and yeah. I could have done it all on my own. And that was the most powerful thing to me was no one had to do anything for me. I did it all on my own. And as a woman, there's just a new kind of high that comes from that. <laughs> it's just, it's just so powerful. And I think Brianna would agree when I say I amend that you didn't do it all on your own. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's something important for us to recognize just as, as a society, like I think people need to, I wish birthing was more normalized in this way and that we relied on a partner, you know, like when the, even from the first birth to the second birth, Brianna said almost immediately, like this birth, like wouldn't have been like this if you weren't here, you know? And so like that was empowering for me because growing up, my idea of a dad in birth was 
he's asleep on the couch waiting for the baby to come out. Yeah. 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 Like we don't talk enough about men. Like when I tell people what I did doing did during these births, they're like, You did that? Like mm-hmm. why? Yeah. Like they 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 think that, you know, I, I gave her the baby and so now I just don't do anything until the baby comes out. Like I think that like she had the baby and she did so much, so much work. But like it was us together mm-hmm. that made that experience celestial. Mm-hmm. Will you take a quick minute, Jerry, and just describe you know what what you were doing during the birth process like what physically what were you up to i mean you mentioned that you were um providing counter pressure but could you walk us through some of the things that you were doing um yeah i was managing you know the room as a whole like He's, he was the birth was room the protector birth bouncer yep you know, if there was too many emotions or someone in the corner saying something that could be negative to Brianna's thought process, then I kicked him out. <laughs> and um, I was constantly there with some people that Brianna personally invited to uh, help me, like you said, do those do those counter pressures. And, you know, I ran the team of people saying, you know, go get me more washcloths, go get go get me this, go get this for Brianna, go get her some Gatorade. You mom was getting crazy. I said, Mom, go to the store and get pizza. You know, like everyone was getting missions so that nobody felt left out. And so I was helping regulate everything else around Brianna so she didn't have to think about what everybody else was doing. And um, on top of that, again, you know, just the physical, like the physical need demands mm-hmm. that were needed were was very difficult. And it was good to be able to have um, a team of people for that because um, Brianna likes counter pressure. Um, she liked to be on all fours when she was doing a lot of her con- uh, her contractions or waves. And, you know, so she preferred to have two people on each side of her, you know, pushing on her iliac crests and full force, <laughs> full force <laughs> I call it. And I couldn't do that by myself, you know, so I was managing the rotation and who was going to be next. And there was, there was a lot going on with that while at the same time, not forgetting that Brianna's feeling a lot of things that she probably won't tell me. And so I had to pay attention to her needs too, while everybody else was trying to do something to feel important. And what's really interesting is like, even though for us, like for me, it felt like I was busy and had a lot of work to do. Like the midwives actually just kind of sat in the living room and did nothing like the whole time. They walked in a, like every like 30 minutes and was like, what's going on? Oh, still working. Okay, bye. <laughs> they walked out and they had a student and the student, like I heard her say like, you know, is every birth like this? Like where we don't do anything? And they're like, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> when they were done, they were like, I wish we could say we helped, but we didn't do anything. Like wow. they really didn't. They were just there. And they offered that comfort of if something happened, we have an extra set of, you know, um, medically in tune minds who say i know how to handle this next but really i mean if they if they weren't there like it wouldn't have made any difference like they literally didn't do anything and that's act, how birth should be though to actually impact mm-hmm. yeah like your care provider should be a safety was. net you know yeah. not yeah everything she needed hands-on like i was there or i brought her you know at the drop of a, at the drop of a hat and i mean i went to the bathroom once like <laughs> other than that <laughs> i was always next to her like touching her or on my knees, holding her hand or rubbing her back. like Or I, coaching I just, me through my breaths. Yeah. I if I would gone. be breathing too um, too quickly, he would say, okay, breathe with me. And then he'd be like, look at me, you know, keep your voice low, that kind of stuff. He would help kind of remind me to help keep me relaxed. And so every single second that Brianna was enduring of that labor, like I was there. Hmm. You know, so the labor like did like to think of the memory without me there doesn't make sense. If you look at the pictures or the videos, there's not a frame. I'm not in it. Hmm. 
you know, and I think there's power in that. Like men need to realize that their potential in this, I shouldn't say just men, like any, any birthing par- partner. partner, birthing partner who's chosen like for this, like it is such an honorary role that has to be taken to the furthest extreme. And, and I took it seriously. And I think that I definitely contributed to the turnout of how everything happened. Mm-hmm. That's the truth, man. Thank you for describing that mm-hmm. because we didn't know, like we, in, in, Hearing that, it reminded me of my role in our birth, Sarah, yeah. and it definitely is different than than what I think a lot of the story is out there of the dad waiting in the waiting room of the hospital, smoking a cigarette, <laughs> and waiting for the kid to be born. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I totally can see now why that was a team effort between the two of you, and I totally get why you were tired too, yeah. Jerry. And and I'm happy that you described that, and because I think it's going to give other other partners an opportunity to put themselves in those shoes and see themselves stepping up into the role in that way Mm -hmm. and as evidenced by both of your story it was just the result was was powerful yeah giving men you know birthing partners but if we're just saying men right now the opportunity to go into birth with something to transform with just as much as the woman does the birthing person because you know everyone who's pregnant and you're planning for birth like you know you're in for this big thing and to to create its own unique you know because it's going to be different in many ways but but mirrors and parallels that you know dad you have the opportunity to show up in a way and and you know show something about yourself and learn something about yourself and like you're going to be birthing too so to just shift the narrative around that that you know you have this incredible opportunity and it's it's not something to be to be you know deterred from or to be um just discouraged by it's something that you have a really great opportunity to step into and i'm just gonna say it jerry and brianna i'm kind of in love with both of you right now (laughs) there's that we like you guys too Oh, this has just been so incredible. So many nuggets here. I mean, my notebook is so full right now from just all the elements that we've gone through in terms of preparing and then the experience itself and then the role of partner. This has just been so, I mean, this is packed. This is yeah. like you are getting what you paid for and more when you hit play on this one. So <laughs> uh, any just closing thoughts or suggestions or resources that you would want to share with listeners? Um. First off, I just want to note, uh, I don't think I mentioned it. I didn't tear with that, with this birth, Woo-hoo! by the way. I had like barely any skid marks, they said. So I accomplished my goal. And I know it was because of preparation and knowing what I was getting myself into with the home birth. Um, and that kind of leads back to our class that we took. Um, it's a Utah-based class because that's where we went went to it the first time. Um, It's called the Curtis Method. It's a hypnobirthing class. But she does do virtual classes because of COVID. She's transferred over to those. So we were still able to take it when we were here in Indiana. And I think she's going to keep it that way. So if you're interested in in a phenomenal birthing class, I've recommended so many friends that class and they all love it. So I'll send you the information, Sarah, so you can put that in there. But I also read the Ina May Guide to Childbirth. Of course, an amazing book. And I read the Mongan Method. Um, for hypnobirthing book. Sorry. And really, I just did my homework. So like I mentioned, I listened to you guys' podcast. 
probably two or three episodes a day because I found you guys in preparation for this birth. And I would just blow through as many as I could because I just wanted to fill myself with all of the positive birthing vibes as I could. And I watched a lot of positive birth um, videos on YouTube. So I would look up emotional or happy or positive home birth vlogs and that kind of stuff. And I would just watch them all the time. Jerry would come in the room at random times and be like, what are you watching? Why is there, why is there moaning? What is going yeah. on? I'm like, it's just a birth video. I promise. It's a birth going exactly the way it should be because it sounds yes. like this. He's like, it sounds so bad every time I come in this room. <laughs> but um, yeah, I watched them all the time. And in my birthing class, they gave us meditations to listen to because of hypnobirthing. It's basically learning how to put yourself in a deep self meditation. So I listened to those every night and I listened to my positive affirmations birthing track probably three to six times a day. So I was filling myself as full as I could with everything positive with birth. Uh, Jerry, I talked to him beforehand and, I, and we've discussed this before that I wanted a rule. No one was able to have negative talk about birth around me. And so he helped buffer that too. If we were ever in conversation with friends and they're like, oh yeah, I just, you know, gave birth a couple months ago and it was horrible and this and this happened. He would always cut them off and be like, oh, we don't talk about negative birth experiences around Brianna because she's preparing for, you know, her home birth. And he'd kind of buffer that with me too, which is really important. Birth partners help your, help your pregnant wives keep positivity around them because everybody loves to share horror stories. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> so yeah, we, we did our homework a lot on this one, even more so than last time. And like Jerry said, he was a big participant. He would do my meditations with me and my breathing exercises on the birth ball. And I practiced my breathing, what, three to four times a week, babe. Yeah. yeah. And just... I always tell everyone this, if you're preparing for a birth, it's the same type of preparation as if you're preparing for a marathon, because it's a marathon of your body. If you were going to run a marathon, you aren't just going to show up on the day of the race, though that is a big part. You have to be running every single day or doing your proper exercises. You have to be eating right. You have to be probably studying techniques. Um, you have to get yourself in the right mindset. A lot of running is your mind. And it's the same way with birthing. You don't just show up to the hospital and pop a baby out and expect everything to go your way. You have to be educated and you have to educate yourself on all of your options, even if you're birthing in a hospital. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't know your options, then it's not true consent, in my opinion. So that's one thing that I find a lot of power in is knowing all the science and the information behind every aspect of what your body's doing and every intervention that could happen. Just educate yourself. That's the biggest thing. I think. Mm -hmm. I think from my closing remarks, I would say that people are stronger than they can ever know. And watching something like this, like, just totally confirms that. Like, two days ago, Brianna got a splinter <laughs> and cried about that <laughs> and was so upset and complained and was like, I'd rather have the baby again than have this splinter. I think I said it a thousand times. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, who says that? Like, <laughs> who's like, I'd rather have a baby than have the splinter. Like, that just, it seems exaggerated, but she's like dead serious, mm -hmm. you know, because I wouldn't say like she's mastered birthing. Like we haven't mastered birthing, you know, but I feel like our understanding of it, you know, is on another level. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of people need to experience this and realize really what we're capable of 
and and men too to, to say it's okay for you to be a vital role it's i've had people where i try to explain you know what i feel like i do and people immediately will downplay that and say yeah but you know your wife had to do this and this like there's no way that you know your birth experience was as hard as hers and i'm like we're not comparing the two you know I, i'm adding on to that experience and i have my own level of difficulty that i have to go through on a personal level i'm not going to attempt to compare my complete birth experience to what brianna went through because i'm i can't physiologically <laughs> and i won't ever yeah. you know but but I, I don't want i don't think that should be downplayed for anybody i think that we have to realize um as a as a whole and hopefully the world can kind of progress with this there's this trends and people really begin to realize like wow like birth can happen like this and we're seeing it with netflix shows and things like that of people birthing and talking about calling the midwife and <laughs> you know the more exposure you can get the better so we're all for obviously this podcast because it's representing you know what i feel like i've become a preachy about almost <laughs> mm. i never thought that i would be talking to people about childbirth as like a conversation topic and you laughing about it like mm -hmm. but uh definitely changed me i think as much as it changed her Love oh it. that's awesome okay Okay, you guys, I have to go do something with all these feelings <laughs> right now. You all are amazing. Thank you so much for being with us. I'm going to put links to as much as I possibly can um, from everything that we've talked about. Of course, you know, your vlog, your podcast, and then some of the great resources that you listed. So check out the show notes listener um, in whatever device you are listening with, whatever platform, go check out those uh, notes and there will be links for you. And again, thank you all so much for being with us. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for having us. You guys are a lot of fun. Quick note about the Doing It at Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved, Dadages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgins. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Dadages. That's D-A-D-A-G-E-S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.